One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about um, the pale horse in the book of Revelation. I'll bet you guys are stoked about the pale horse, right? Most people are afraid of the pale horse, but I believe the pale horse, that's actually my favorite horse. The Lord, uh, I actually had to, when the Lord gave me the dreams, Um, I really had to dig in and trust the Holy Spirit to reveal a whole lot of stuff. Because if you read The Pale Horse, which we'll get into here in a minute, um, it's actually the most daunting, like, ah, afraid of type of horse there is. But if you have the right perspective, um, it's actually, we'll get into that tonight about having the right perspective. And so to kind of set the stage, um, it's important to talk about death. Because when you talk about this horse... Um, it talks about death and Hades following this horse and the, the rider of this horse, okay? So Jesus said this, or actually the Holy Spirit said this in Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, so, so too shall we be in the likeness of his resurrection. So you, there is no such thing as Christianity without the death of your will, right? Um, it's not just a trip to the altar and you know, some tinglys, which, okay, that's a start. But ultimately, he wants your whole heart, okay? Um, And that whole heart aspect is something that actually is the empowerment process of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2.20 says, no, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? A lot of of Christians quote that scripture. You guys quote that scripture? It's no longer me who live, but Christ. Is it really? All right? Is it, or is it only when you find yourself in trouble and you need a little more juice? That's right. It, it, there's actually the second part doesn't kick in without the first part, right? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. Amen. And so as you grow spiritually, you know, a lot of people recently have just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of people get activated in the, in the gift of tongues. Um, and that's a pretty enlightening experience, right? That, that's like, oh, didn't know this existed before. Oh my gosh, what is this? Why is the hair of my arm standing up? Um, but there is a growth process, right? The initial, like, how the Holy Spirit, we used to call it getting whacked in the Holy Ghost, right? Oh, I got three more whacked in the Holy Ghost. They're laying on the ground. They're shaking, crying, can't stand up, right? Anybody get whacked in the Holy Ghost? Okay, so after that, that initial encounter with the Holy Spirit, there's, there is a growth process, okay? And there's actually degrees of death of the laying down of your will that are connected with the outpouring of the power of the Holy Ghost, right? There's kind of like this, you know what a honeymoon stage is? You know, like when a married couple, they get together there's a honeymoon stage. Nobody can do anything wrong. Oh, it's okay, honey. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's just amazing, right? But then there's this process of real life kicking in, and two people together 
realize that the only way that you survive together is you lay down your will and become one. Right? Am I right, honey? <laughs> Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. <laughs> Maybe me, right? <laughs> Come on, you can't lie that you haven't been there. Come on, every married couple knows that if you think it's all about you, you're not going to get very far in that marriage. Right? Amen? And actually, in the kingship, in the kingdom, he's the king. Right? He is the king. And so... Your will is important. He cares about you, but it's really about his mission, his will, his purpose, right? And so this aspect of growing in the spirit is a relational dynamic of how much is it about his will versus how much is it about you, your need, right? Whenever, whenever you have new Christians um, or, you know, people that maybe have been Christians for 30 plus years, but they never laid down their will, Whenever they get in trouble, it's all about you. What do you need, right? When it's actually a life that's centered when you begin to mature in the Spirit, it's actually about finding His will and being in His will as He leads you, right? He, he leads you by His voice. Um, like I said, you've heard me say it a few times. I said Tampa. He said Toledo, right? And so it's about laying down your will, um, you know, it's actually about entering a new level of death, right? Laying down your, your own personal desires, your own thoughts, your own expectations to really enter into the books. There are books that are written about you in heaven, right? There is, you know, all the, before the foundation of the earth, it says that the books um, were written by Christ, of Christ, and, and all those who enter in Christ. So if you enter into Christ and it's no longer that you that live, but Christ, the hope of glory, you are entering into the books that he wrote about. So do you get to choose your, your full path through life? And, it, you know, this isn't like beyond, this is a first grade level class. The answer to that is no. <laughs> you don't get to choose. Um, I mean, there's some things you get to choose, but the essence of it is you lay down your will to find his will, okay? And so, you know, the example is Jesus, it says, it says uh, that Jesus could have called down 12 legions of angels. When he was in the midst of going to the cross, he could have called down 12 legions of angels, okay? He had the authority to do it, but it wasn't the will of the Father. Okay, now that's a, that's a deep level of revelation that you have authority to conquer something, but the will of the Father is that you rest in His will, and His will is always going to lead you to a death. What do you mean? Well, okay, well, did, it, did Jesus lay down His life so that others could live, right? And so you're better than Jesus? No. <laughs> so Jesus is going to, um, he, he, he says, yes, Father. And the Spirit literally leads him into Jerusalem, leads him um, on Palm Sunday, leads him um, into the night of Gethsemane. He's got blood. Literally, he's praying drops of blood. There's so much anguish that is upon him, right? And so he goes to the cross and it says he could have, stepped off the cross, but he chose to do the Father's will. And he then goes into hell, right? He takes the keys of life and death, and the rest is history. 
And the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the earth and you have an opportunity to enter Christ and live. But Jesus requires something from us all as we mature in the Spirit and we follow, we begin to follow the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever desires um, to lose his life for my sake will find it. So only in losing your will and your, your perception of what you want um, does life actually get birthed through you and, and out of you. He goes on to say, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a pretty inter- interesting statement. Jesus is talking about your soul and life it being given to your soul connected with your willingness to lay down your will and pick up your cross. Turn to the person beside you and say, you know you have a cross. The Holy Ghost is going to lead you to pick it up. Are you in? <laughs> you better be in, Pete. Right? You see, stop sinning is a mockery of the cross. Most, most of the church has led the whole concept of Christianity to, you know, watered down concepts. Oh, well, you know, just stop sinning. Don't do that. Just be better. Come to church on Sunday. It'll be okay. No, that's really not the message. The message is pick up your cross and follow me, right? And only in that is there life. There is no life without death. There is no life without laying down your will. So the essence of Christianity is about finding his will. So how do you find his will? That's why, that's why they made prayer, right? Every, every chapter, in, if you go through the Gospels, Jesus went into prayer. Jesus went into prayer. He comes up in the morning and they go to the woman at the well. He comes up in the morning. They go feed the 4,000. He comes up in the morning. They get on a boat to go deliver the demoniac. You know why? Because he went into prayer, he found the will of his Father, and he followed the Holy Spirit, right? His whole life was a demonstration of laying down his will to follow the will of, of the Spirit, right? And so it's a demonstration of how you lay down your will, right? Ask, ask the person beside you, have you laid down your will? Have you laid down your will? Say, oh really? oh, really? Do you have a prayer life? how do you find his will if you don't have a prayer life you're fooling yourself well I read about him you know a couple of times a week I pick up and I read a chapter and it makes me feel pretty good you know kind of apply this to my life or apply apply that to my life but you know this this is this is kind of a college level class in in the development of, of a spiritual walk right this is about how you find the will of the Lord, how you lay your life down to go save others. And that's really what it's about. Most people wouldn't go down the street to witness to somebody, to go help somebody, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. But that also explains why most of the church doesn't witness. There's nothing required of American Christianity. It's about convenience. It's about making you feel better. Even, even in some Christian uh, spiritual circles, it, you get tilted in these, how can I help you? Do you have a need? Right? Can I tell you this, that 
most people's heart will never fully get healed until you lay down your will and embrace the will that the Lord has you and suddenly life floods into your heart because you and the Lord become one and life is flowing in you, right? When you find what you were called to do, where, what, where, what you're great at because the Holy Spirit led you to discover something, to discover who you are, where you're to go, who you're, you're to interact with, life comes out of that because you laid down your will and allowed him to resurrect you. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he had to trust that the Holy Ghost was going to raise him up. Right? Think about that. Jesus had to lay down his will. He goes to the cross. He says, not my will, Father, your will. And he literally dies. He, it says he gave up his spirit. Right? And he had to trust that the Holy Spirit was going to roll that stone away and call him out of the darkness. Right? That's how we are. That's actually a picture of prayer every day of your life. Are you going to go in? Because whether you know it or not, you're in a tomb. You're in this, this locked-in place called earth. And every day you wake up, you run into your prayer room and allow the Holy Spirit to resurrect you. I, don't, I mean, I, I have a hard time getting through the day if I don't run to, the, to my prayer closet first. Right? Because it's only in the awakening of the Holy Spirit, in the impartation of the Spirit... That life is given. What am I going to do today, Lord? What about this big decision I have to make next week? Boom. It gives you a vision, right? How, that, that's, that's the essence of you laying down your will and allowing him to resurrect you. And so there's, you know, there's evidence of death in your life. There's evidence, there was evidence of death in the life of Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures, Matthew 27, 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and come out of the graves after his resurrection. They went on into the holy city and appeared, appeared to many. Can you, can you picture that? Can you picture that? You're sitting in Jerusalem. The sky gets dark. Jesus dies. Lightning, you know, everybody's running. And all of a sudden, the veil in the temple splits. The Pharisees are running out of the temple. Oh, something happened in the temple. And all of a sudden, Jim Bob that died three weeks ago comes, comes running through the city. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And you're going, what was that? I thought you died. And he's going, yeah, I was dead, but somebody named Jesus came into hell. He laid his hand on me. He said, rise up and walk, and here I am again. He's shaking. There's literally worms coming out of his ears, and he's alive. Can you picture it? You see, that's the evidence of an earthquake. That's, there's evidence of you dying so that the Spirit can resurrect people around you, right? Ask the person beside you. Is there evidence of an earthquake in your life? Does the earth shake before your presence? You see, when you were baptized in the Holy Ghost today, when you woke up in prayer, there was something where you were going to run out into the street and cause an earthquake. You were going to reach into a grave and pull somebody out because the Lord sent you to speak to somebody, right? Earthquakes. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit I, give you my will. I give you my will. Call me into spiritual prayer. Call me into spiritual 
Resurrect me. Make me an earthquake. Come on, make me an earthquake. Make me to cause earthquakes. You see, as you are in the likeness of his death, so too shall you be in the likeness of his resurrection. And it's important that we build this understanding of death because if you don't understand death, you will view the pale horse in a very strange, fearful way, right? Okay, so, you know, the Holy Spirit grants you power ultimately over death. When you die, you literally get resurrected by the Spirit and you look back and say, oh my gosh, I was in a tomb and the Spirit brought me out of that dead place. And now you look back and say, oh my, I have power over death. That thing tried to take me down. That thing tried to hold me under. That thing tried to bury me. But when you literally lay down your will, when you enter the rest of the Spirit, He literally positions you in victory. Earthquakes. You see, when Jesus went to hell, it says, this is Revelation 1.18. It says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys. I have the keys. <laughs> I have the keys, girl, of Hades and death. So he says, I have the keys of Hades and death. So Jesus has the keys of life, and he has the keys of Hades and death. Okay? So there is nothing that Jesus Christ does not have the keys of. So think about this. Jesus Christ in death was given victory over death. When he laid down his will and the Holy Spirit resurrected him, he literally was given all things. Okay? A lot of people think that the ultimate authority is about, okay, you take out some, some scriptures like Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority to tread on the serpent and the scorpion. And you start saying, I have the authority of Christ. I do this stuff. And you start praying against things. But what if the Lord is, the Spirit of God is actually leading you through a time where He's leading you into a new death so that you will have power over the very thing that you're actually afraid of? You see, every one of, every one of us um, have a natural inkling, a natural instinct to fear death. But it's in laying down your will and the strength of the Lord that you are actually given victory over the very thing you feared. Okay, and that concept's important to understand because the pale horse, the rider of the pale horse, his name is Death and Hades. Okay, and that'll, that'll mess you up if you think about it too long. And it's easy to, to, default, to, to default to being afraid of it. But remember, Jesus said this to me. The previous generation grew up fearing the four horsemen. The next generation will know that they are the four horsemen. Okay? So how do you get the keys? So Jesus holds the keys of life and the keys of death and Hades. Right? And Jesus is offering you the keys. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will give you the keys and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against you. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. So if Jesus holds all keys and he's offering you all the keys, how do you get the keys? Come on, we've already, this is like a, I've already given the answer type test, right? So you have to lay down your will and have your your, your heart position to receive keys, right? A lot of people think that authority is about regurgitating Scripture and saying, ah, you know, 
by faith, by faith, I have all this authority. But they never lay down their will to hear what the Lord is saying in that moment about what is exactly the answer to the situation they're in. There is no true life without death. You can behavior, modify yourself, force yourself to feel good, force yourself um, to you know, try to be happy. But at the end of the day, without submitting your heart to the will of the Lord, there is no resurrection, right? And so the picture of prayer is actually expanded upon in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So the concept of victory over death is actually when the corruptible puts on the incorruption. You're the incorruption, right? And so how do you put on the incorruptible? You have to put on Christ. You have to enter into Christ. You have to lay down your will to enter into Christ. And it's actually the picture of a prayer life. It's the picture of you being clothed. You're coming. You, every day I wake up, I come. I come incorruptible and I need to hear. I need to be, have an, imparted, an impartation. I need to be baptized in fire today so that I can be resurrected in victory because I know today is going to be a lot different than yesterday and I can't pattern out my life to be comfortable. That's called religion. That's called routine. And there's nothing routine about Jesus. Every day he goes into prayer, he comes up, he comes out of prayer, ready to attack and accomplish something new, right? And so this concept of having a revelation or gaining a revelation that there's an equipping in the, in the book of Revelation that's connected to the way you see. The word revelation is the word apocalypto, right? There's, there's two pieces to that. The word um, apo is, means to reveal, to, to impart the real, the real meaning, the, the real way that it's written in heaven. The word klepto is the cover that was put on you, the un- incorruptible cover that was, you know, stole your identity. So the book of Revelation, the revelation of Christ is really about bringing a revelation to you that there was an identity stolen from you and there is a new impartation that the Lord has for you, right? That's, so, so the unveiling of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the revelation of Christ, that's what the book is called, it's actually about the unveiling of the church, It's about the unveiling of the view from heaven of what it really is. So as a mere man, can you read all of this this description in the book of Revelation and and perceive it correctly? Can, Can you simply sit there like a Greek scholar and say, well, the Greek word for this means X, Y, Z, and the Greek word for that means X, Y, Z, and the dream book over here says that a jaguar means this, and so this must mean this, this must mean this. That's not really revelation. Revelation is about you hearing, seeing vision from the Lord, and it's imparted to you, right? It's not your will. It's the will of the Lord. It's not your perception. And you may say, well, what about all these biblical scholar guys? 
Well, there's a lot of biblical scholar guys that don't go to the Holy Spirit for revelation. They actually have all the Greek words, and they say, well, this Greek word is actually a verb. This Greek word is actually a noun. And you piece all this together, and this is exactly what this means, and you get this horseman that's going to ravage the earth. Right? Can I, tell, can I tell you that? I mean, that's not the revelation the Lord gave me about the horseman. I wasn't looking for... It wasn't my fight. I, I had other things to think of. When the Lord came to me and, and gave me the three dreams about the four horsemen, it was actually to reveal his perception of what the horsemen really are. Amen? And so when you get to, uh, let's talk about the pale horse for a minute. Revelation 6, 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death and Hades followed with him. And the power was given to them for a fourth of the earth to kill a sword with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. That's pretty scary if you read it with natural eyes, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not here when the pale horse comes, right? I'm on, you know, you, you, heard, you saw the Kirk Cameron movies. Ah, get me out, get me out. Oh my gosh, I, I wasn't magically taken. I don't think that's the way it's really going to happen. That's just, that's just my view, okay? The word death here, the word death here, um, it actually has both a noun and a verb connotation. It's, it, it, it means the name death, but it actually means to die. And so the reason why I spent so much time talking to you about in the likeness of your death, so too shall you be in the likeness of your resurrection. You can look at the book of Revelation as a fearful perception of death, or you can seek the Holy Spirit and through love have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus said, or, or John the Baptist said this. He says, I'll baptize you in water. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to walk in, right? He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? So the reason this, this revelation of the need of the Spirit is important is because you can come to an altar and say, I need Jesus and repent of your sin all day long, but it's only in the embrace of the Holy Spirit is there a resurrection. On, only... Can you see correctly through the Holy Spirit? Okay, as a mere man, you cannot see. You, the Bible actually in many, many places says you cannot read the Bible and understand it without the Spirit revealing its meaning, right? And so, do you need the Holy Ghost? Is it kind of like a 50% thing? You know, they, they kind of, you know, if you present the dove inside the cage and even open the door, let the dove peek its head out. Is that going to get you there? No. How about 75? No. <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost, right? The dove needs unleashed so that the wind flows through the church and the glaze, the hands, the demonic hands that, that tint your vision, that actually prevent you from seeing clearly only the, the free-flowing Holy Spirit blows off the, 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 the view that is um, hindered by the demonic powers, right? Okay, do you think in any way that you have no corruption in the way you see? Is there anybody here that says, I know exactly how this works out. I have the exact answer. Um, there, is, there are no demonic powers 
that hinder my view and change the way I see? I'm like, gosh, this is a pretty smart class. So I got no takers. There's nobody saying, I don't, I, you know, I, I've been fully delivered. Well, that's, good. that's a great start, right? But the wind of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that continually allows you to see clearly. And I can tell you this, if, if something happens in my life, you know, I'm up for 24 hours and I don't get to pray for two or three days, I, I'll tell you flat out, my view is skewed. I may interact, you know, in a very tired manner with my wife. I may be short. I may be, you know, I don't know. There's many indicators that my vision is skewed because I have not laid down my life that morning and entered into a prayer life to allow myself to be resurrected, to be filled, to be baptized with fire by the Holy Ghost, right? So do you need the Holy Ghost? So say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus baptize me, me in fire that I would be fearless, that I would, fearless. That I would break prison systems, break prison system. make, me make me an earthquake. Come on, Holy Ghost, make me an earthquake. Resurrect me. I'm laying down my life. Resurrect me. All right, so death is important. Your will, laying down your will on a daily basis to call on the Holy Spirit is the essence of this rider, okay? And this, this rider whose name is death, I, actually, I believe it actually means that it's a person who in the likeness of the death of Christ is so risen by, by the power of the Holy Spirit that he is the one that's riding through the streets that not is killing the average man, okay? This is a metaphor. You're, this guy is not causing famines and using his sword to kill people, which is what the world and most of the church, ah, you know, the Kirk Cameron, get me, escape, get me out of here. That, that, that's, that's not my view of this. My view of this is the rider has laid down his life and they have embraced the Holy Spirit to such a degree that the Holy Spirit uh, that actually sends this person to use his sword. You got a sword? Did Paul tell you to take your sword? Do you know, have words of knowledge? Do you have prophecy? Do you have the gift of healing? That's, that's your weapon. What if this rider is actually supposed to go in to places where the people are imprisoned in dead religious systems? I don't care what religious system it is. If it's not... And if it's not bound in the Holy Ghost, there's problems with people's vision. There's problems with people's um, expectation of how they're saved, how they're delivered. There's all these religious systems that imprison and put people in bondage, right? Did Jesus go in to the synagogue to deliver people? They had, they had the Word of God in the synagogue, but what did Jesus do when he went in the synagogue? Think about this. Okay, this is, a, this is a brain teaser. Jesus went into the synagogue to blow over the money changing tables. He went in with a whip, right? He went in, and when he went in, those who were demonized screamed out to him, who are you? Why are you here, right? And Jesus cast devils out of people. He got into conflicts with those who were leading 
and, and putting people in bondage, putting weight on top of people that they couldn't carry. And Jesus came in and says, you've developed a system that doesn't reflect me because I'm a deliverer. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free, right? That's, that's Isaiah 61. That's the mission statement of Christ. It goes on to say, because this is the day of vengeance of our God. So if the day of vengeance, if you, if you understand that this rider on the horse is going in, he's looking for people in bondage. He's looking for people in spiritual bondage, looking for people in prison systems, looking for people who don't know the Holy Spirit. What if that is the, the interpretation of this rider? whose name is death, what if this rider is actually supposed to cause death to prison systems, that's supposed to cause death to religious torment? You know anybody that came out of religious torment? I had to, I had to go in three, three days a week. I had to do penance. I had to, you know, go through rituals. I had to light 25 candles. I had to, you know, you know, all these different prayers and, and routines that you do in some of these organizations and systems. I had, to, I had to earn my way to salvation. I couldn't wear certain clothing or they said I was unholy. Huh? You know any of those? Women can't preach. You just sit there and be still and quiet. What about that one? What if this rider has given his life to such a degree that he's willing to go take the blast of the opposing leaders to set people free, to bring people the Holy Spirit, to bring people, um, to use words of knowledge, to speak to people. And that you give somebody a word of knowledge that is bound in a religious thought process that, that they're, they're always in anguish. They're never good enough. They haven't really received the blood of Jesus. What if this rider is actually sent to cause famines to those dead systems? Who's supposed to be a pestilence? Did they call Jesus? Did they call Paul a pestilence? They called Paul a pestilence. You know why? Because he confronted their lie. He confronted the system that they used to fleece the people of their money. He confronted those who said, you think you're alive because you, you follow these 25 religious rules, but you don't know the living God. He confronted them. What if this rider has laid down his life or her life to such a degree that they literally will follow the Holy Spirit? If, if you're already dead, can they do anything to you? Can they do anything to you if you're already dead? I have, a, I have a friend that um, goes over to the Middle East. You know, if you go witness in Iran, you can lose your head on that day. There is no trial. There is nothing that hinders you or saves you in a foreign nation like Iran or, or Afghanistan or some of these places. So before you go, you have already laid down your life. You have been given the keys of life and death in your hand because you've already said, I'll follow you, Lord, into the unknown. I'm going to lay down my life and I will preach the gospel. I will do what you tell me to do, right? Think about that. That's a little bit different form of Christianity versus getting up three out of four Sundays and coming in to hear what your great pastors have to say. And then going out and living your life. 
So, is the Spirit of God on you? Is, is the, has the Holy Spirit resurrected you? Have you allowed yourself to be resurrected and made new, be, being set on fire, ignited by the Holy Ghost? That's the question. Because this rider, this rider has this weapon. Okay, this weapon, this sword, I believe is a, is a supernatural sword. Uh, so in some of the darkest places I've been into, um, you know, the Lord gave me supernatural words of knowledge that totally changed the situation, totally changed the, the atmosphere. And I don't know if I told this story, but I'll, I may have. I'll tell it again, though. Um, I was in this p- certain place of, of uh, India, and they took me, they took me to this, um, this outdoor. It was, they called it a church, but it was really just an outdoor meeting place in the middle of the Hindu village. Um, you know, there's only like 1% Christians, okay? And so... There had been persecution in this place. They literally, weeks earlier, they drug Christians while they were singing. They drug them out into the street and beat them and laughed at them, spit on them. I mean, there's videos of, of them setting Christians on fire, right? And so they took me. They said, hey, do you want to go? We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're taking you. They're, they said they're going to, you know... They're going to sing, and they're going to, they're going to do it. They're trusting, they're trusting the Lord. They're trusting the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is real, right? I could get beat today. <laughs> I could. I could get beat today. And I'm like, it's on, man. And um, I'll never forget it because I woke up this one day, and as soon as I woke up, the Lord said these words to me. He goes, I'm going to show you today why I brought you here. And um, we get in the car, and we go. And um, there's this pastor who's in charge of this, of this place. Um, and the Lord told me to take oil and anoint this man. And he was going to do something special with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the short version. Um, you know, there's about 100, there's 100 people. Um, and um, I started to prophesy over the pastor. I put oil on, on this guy. He, he falls out in the spirit. He's laying there. And his people, the, the, they, start, you know, they start playing the music. And the, the people are just, um, people are singing. They're like all on, full on for Jesus. And uh, I don't know, the presence of the Lord showed up so powerfully that um, across the street where, where these uh, Hindus, this aggressive group of Hindus lived, um, they started to assemble. They started to come out, and everybody in the in the you know in the congregation were singing. But you know, it was one of those deals where, as they assembled, all I can describe it to you as something supernatural happened, and people started to sing louder, and people started to worship, and people literally, and you could feel like the electricity in the air. The hair on my arms is standing up, and. These Hindus started to walk across the street, okay? And when they walked across the street, they, they stepped through the threshold of this, of this open uh, church doorway type thing. They, as, when, they, when they crossed the threshold, whack! The first guy falls flat on his face. Like, the presence of God is so heavy, this Hindu falls on his face, and they're all, everybody's pointing like, yeah, that's one of the guys. Yeah, that's one of the, one of the guys. And his buddies saw them, but they, it's like they couldn't stop walking. It's like they were in a trance and they, they, they get to the threshold and bam, the next guy falls in the threshold. 
okay? And there's like four or five guys laying in the threshold and people are singing and worshiping. And I'm, I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, what, what are you going to do, Lord? This is like beyond, this is beyond anything I've ever experienced and seen. These people are worshiping in the midst of a situation where they could get beat or even beat to death, okay? 15 minutes go by. And the first, the first guy gets up. Tears are running down his face. He's, he's, he's literally shaking in the presence of the Lord. Okay? He's, he's, there's, he's trembling. Tongues are coming out of his mouth. Okay? Because the whole congregation, when I, w- I was there for probably an hour before this all started, they all got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're worshiping. They're praying in tongues. Like the place is flat out electric. The first guy gets up. He starts praying in tongues. He's shaking. Yeah. The, the, some of the Hindu pastors, they lead the guy. He accepts Jesus Christ. The next guy, the next guy, the next guy. And it was just a supernatural, like, it's possible. There are things that are so beyond what American convenience form of Christianity is. It's like, okay, prove to me, Jesus. Prove to me. You know, Jesus is proving but he uses people who have given their life, who become a pale horse rider and say, it's not me who live, it's Christ who lives in me. It says, send me, Lord, I'll go. Right? Send me, Lord, I'll go. And there's supernatural things that happen. Okay? And this weapon, this weapon that this guy has, this sword, it, I believe this is the, the, the ultimate sword. I believe this, there are words of knowledge. There are prophecies. There are like now words where the Lord positions you to do supernatural things. And before your eyes, you see miracles. You see the amazing, like there's only one way to explain it. That's God. How could, how could these Hindu, these young 20 something year old Hindus, rough and tough, they're going to pummel the Christians. They're going to intimidate them, right? They're, they're going to show them. And the Lord uses a situation and humbles these guys. Boom. They fall down. They fall down. They fall down. Amen. How does that happen? How do you explain that? But that's the mission of Christ. That is the way I view vengeance. When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free. He goes on and says, this is the day of vengeance. That is the vengeance of the Lord. He shows himself through a dead man so powerfully that even the persecutors Was Paul a persecutor? Did Paul kill Christians? But somehow, the Lord shows up on their road to Damascus, right? And even Ananias, the prophet, you want me to go talk to that guy? Can you picture Ananias? His knees are shaking. He knocks on the door. I don't know why I'm doing this because this guy kills people. And the Lord says, go, for I have touched him, right? Right? There's a call, guys, that the Lord is leading people into that allows you to see the revelation of Christ in a whole new manner. But it's not through traditional American convenience Christianity. It's through people who literally chase after God that are so hungry to be baptized and what they had today wasn't enough. Some, somehow this mantra gets kicked into your soul and you start going, More! You wake up in the morning and you got to be baptized again. More! I got to see the supernatural. I got to see you do something amazing, Lord. I have to see your work. I have to see people saved. I have to do it. I have to be part of your glory. I want to see it, right? 
I'll tell you one more story and we'll, we'll start to pray here real quick. Um, two years, well, three years ago, I was invited to a church in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, kind of like we do here uh, during ministry time, I was, I was flowing and um, there was a girl in the back. This is in a church that's about 250, 300 people. She was sitting in the very back row. I could see she was sobbing the whole, the whole time I'm ministering. She's sitting there sobbing. Um, she just had this hopeless thing on her, okay? And I'm ministering for a couple hours, and uh, I finally get back to the back. I, I tell her to stand up. Um, and when I start to speak to her, the Lord gives me this vision of a guy in prison. And I asked her, I said, you know anybody in prison? She, she falls to the ground. She's crying. She's not coming out of her. The girl's beside her. Get her cleaned up. She stands up. And she says, that's my boyfriend. We're supposed to get married. But he, he did some bad stuff. And he's going to be in there for a long time. My whole life is messed up. It's over, right? And I mean, the Lord started giving me this download about there's going to be a supernatural release because there's a call of God on, on your soon-to-be husband's life. And when he gets, he, he, the sign um, of him being called as a minister of God is that he gets let out of prison early. I leave, okay? Four months later, I come back. And uh, first night, I get up, I start, I'm getting ready to start to preach. And I look out over the people. And in the back, I see this girl and this big burly guy. He's, he's weeping. Hey, I didn't even preach yet. I'm like, okay. I know I'm kind of, you know kind of 50-50 good, maybe, you know, some, some nights, but I'm not that good, right? I just stood up in a pulpit. The guy's sitting back there, he's weeping, he's crying. Um, so I jump down, and I come back, and I realize that this big burly guy is sitting beside the young lady. She was about 25. She, he was sitting beside the young lady that I prophesied to that if, um, when he was released out of prison. Dude, I had the revelation as I was walking back who it was, and I said, you're the prisoner. He's, sh he's shaking. He can't even stand up. Tears are falling off his face. I told him to get, stand out in the aisle, and when he stood out in the aisle, I didn't even touch him. He falls over, right? I mean, this guy's like 300 pounds. He's a big dude. And within weeks, this guy's in charge of uh, the prison ministry. He's going back into the prison, laying hands on the prisoners, baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. He got put in charge of the youth. Um, he was uh, awakened uh, as uh, the evangelistic leader um, in this small town, in this, in this particular church. He leads teams out into the city. He's got nothing to lose, right? He knows what it was like to be in prison. And all of a sudden, the prophecy was that you're going to be called out of prison. You're going to be supernaturally released out of prison. That would be the sign of the Lord. And the Lord has a call on your life, right? That's wild. Are you excited about that? I mean, the, that's the power of words of knowledge. That's the power of the sword of the pale horse rider. Amen? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I, want that sword. I want that sword. I'm going to lay down my life. That you, may me that you may resurrect me with supernatural power. Supernatural. That, one that one vision will awaken families, families churches, churches, cities, cities workplaces. workplaces. Give me the vision, Lord. The vision. I'm laying down my life down my that you would resurrect me resurrect with supernatural vision, supernatural, vision. supernatural prophecy. 
I want every gift. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. Are you ready to lay down your life? You see, the first dream I shared with you was about the horses being locked in a barn. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that Jesus came across the yard and opened up the barn door so that the four horses could run free because those four horses are not meant to be locked up. They're meant to run free. The second dream was about Jesus in my front yard mounting horsemen on the horses. You know what you are? You're the horseman. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're you're the horseman. And Jesus is here tonight to mount you up. Jesus is here tonight to mount you up. You see, you were born to be a horseman. You were born to run the war. Did you ever study the war horse? You see, the war horse is a lot different than the barn horse. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Barn horses are happy just sitting in the barn. And Jesus is saying, I'm opening the door because you weren't meant to ride a barn horse. You were meant to ride a horse that runs to battles, that runs to impossible situations, that runs to places where the people are bound in hopelessness, in prison, right? And so it's about you being mounted up. The, the word of the Lord in, in Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, you shall mount up upon wings as eagles. The first part of that is you wait upon the Lord. You actually enter into prayer. You wait, and He mounts you up. So this isn't like super technical. It's not like Jesus is going to come knock on your window one night, although He could, and say, hey, I got a horse for you. But the, the analogy is that you go into prayer You wait on him. He speaks to you. And when he gives you a word, it's like mounting up on something supernatural. It is literally like you become an eagle. You become something that is beyond your limitation as a mere man. Everybody in here, you you guys are part of a spiritual church. You quote things. You quote Joel chapter 2. He will pour out his spirit. Come on, you guys all do this. He will pour out his spirit. You have dreams and visions. Do you know the first part of the book of Joel is about the awakening of the horsemen? Joel chapter 2, verse 4, their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like swift steeds. They shall run to the battle. They shall climb the walls. They shall be impossible to stop. They shall do things that are beyond a normal person's ability because the Lord visited them and made them a war horse, mounted you up on something that is impossible for you as a mere man, and you step into something that is supernatural. You believe that? Every one of you have a horse. Every one of you have a, right now the Lord is, is um, waiting to put you on this horse, your horse, right? It's not like if, it's not like when. Think of it this way. There's, there, there's, there's denominational limitations, right? There are different religions that, that minimalize and keep people bound. The Lord calls those prison systems. The Lord calls those um, spiritual darkness, right? Heaviness. They, they, they are in line with the dark forces of the earth that keep people outside of the will of God. And he needs horsemen to go in and waken them, right? What if you're sent to go into the, one of these places where they say women can't preach? 
How about you, Liberty? How about you're supposed to go into one of these places where they say women can't preach and you say, you know what? I got a word from the Lord. He says, you young lady, you 12 year old, you will preach the gospel and you will prophesy, right? What, what, if, what if that's you? What if you're supposed to go into one of these places and the, the, the theology is healing it doesn't exist anymore? Jesus did that in the book of Acts and as soon as they stopped writing the book of Acts, that's over. What if you're the one Jesus mounts up to go into a place and to confront a false theology because he gives you one word of knowledge about laying your hands on a deaf person and you pray for them and all of a sudden one miracle in a, in a house, in a place where they don't believe in miracles, they can't refute it because Jesus just did something supernatural. What if that's you? What if that's your call? What if, what if your call is to go into places where they say, okay, we have theology, we believe in Jesus, but there is, Jesus doesn't speak anymore. The Holy Spirit, that ended with Paul. How many of you heard that one? Yep, that ended with Paul. There is no more of that. that when Paul died, they took out the Holy Spirit because there's no more need because we have the written gospel now. That's a bunch of hogwash, man. What if you're the one the Lord awakens to go in and speak and he gives you a word of knowledge to pray for one person. They fall down, they get up praying in tongues and everybody's going, what is that? And you, you're like Peter, this is that, this is that. Let me show you, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel and just like I'm riding in here on a wild horse, the Lord is awakening you as horsemen. What if that's you, right? I'm giving you vision, guys, because you know why? A lot of the limitation is what you grew up in thinking that normal church is going to church on Sunday and just listening to the great preachers do their thing. That's really not the essence of, of the gospel. The, gospel. the centerpiece of the gospel is you were born again in Christ. You hear the voice of the Lord and there's a calling for you. There's a horseman for you just like the guy that's standing up here preaching. You have the same a call, you have a horse, right? And Jesus is opening that barn door and he's waiting to mount you up, right? Turn to the person beside you and say, he's here to mount you up tonight. Jesus is going to mount you up tonight. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, mount me on my war horse. Anoint me for battle to heal the sick. To cast out demons. To go into dead synagogues. To go into dead synagogues. To trust you. To do the supernatural. To, con to confront the lies that keep people bound in dead religion. You see, Jesus said, stay in the city until you are baptized. You know what I say? Don't even come to church without being baptized. Now, I'm, say, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. I'm joking with you. But I'm saying this to you because you guys have sat in a spiritual awakening class now for six months. You have all been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You are commissioned. You are called by God. You have a plan. The Lord has a plan for your life. And your prayer life is at the utmost that you go into it every morning and you get mounted up on your horse and you come into this place and whoever walks through that door, they have an experience that changes their life forever. Are you with me? You see, there's a graduation point and that's what this is about here tonight. I believe this is a graduation point. 
You have actually gone through this stuff. You have all, every one of you have prophesied. Every one of you have heard the voice of the Lord. Every one of you have had the tinglys. You've had signs. You've had miracles. You've had things happen to you, right? And so the view of why you come together has to change. You don't come to be entertained. You come to find a dead man to raise. You come to actually do something. Okay, Lord, what are you doing today, right? There's a mission. You see, a purpose-driven, a mission-oriented heart knows that there's a, there's a commissioning, there's a purpose, there's the, the, that if you no longer live, every day is important in the eyes of Christ. Every day, everywhere you go, there is somebody in need. There is somebody that you can lay a hand on. There's somebody that needs a prophecy. There's somebody that needs a word of knowledge. There's women that have prisoners sitting in prison right now, just like the one, the story I told you, who's waiting for you to prophesy into their life. To open prison doors. Are you with me? Is there a purpose in your life? Is there a call? There is a call. Turn to the person beside you. There's a call of God on your life. Say it. That's what this is about, guys. There is a call of God on your life. There is such a, a supernatural thing that is beyond what we've dumbed down church to be. I can't, I can't, it's, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, I can't do it. Right? I can't, I can't do it. What if, you came, what if you came in here so hungry? What if, what if you actually drug people in here? The demonized down the street, the guy sitting down here that has his can out. You get out and Aiden and Pete throw, throw, throw uh, the guy with the can looking for money in the back seat and say, come on, we're going to church. If you come to church, I'll give you 50 bucks. Because if you get them into the, into the house, you know there's eight sniper word of knowledge guys. They're going to speak into this guy's life. And the reason why this guy's demonized is going to be literally driven out of him. And he, he gets up off the floor and he walks out of here like Jesus is real. And instead of standing down there with a can out, what if he's out there going, Jesus is real? Like the demoniac. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Come on, guys. What if? That's vision. Right? We cannot afford to do normal, regular church. Amen? Amen? Right? There's got to be a hunger and a thirst. There's got to be an expectation. There's got to be a graduation. So, Lord, I just, I just pray for every person right here, right now. Lord, I decree over them that this is graduation day. That they are entering a realm of being pulled into the power of the Holy Spirit that is no longer them that live, but Christ, the hope of glory that lives in them. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for this mounting up on the horses, Lord, that you actually opened the gate to, Lord, that these horses are running free looking for their rider. And Lord, I decree that this is the mailbox that you stand at. This is the place where the rider connects on their horse. And, and the supernatural swift steeds that you write about, Lord, in your word in Joel chapter 2. I prophesy that these are the swift steeds in Toledo, Ohio. These are the ones who will use their sword, at, at using the, the words of knowledge, the prophecy, the vision of the Lord, the dream, Lord, to break down prison doors, to break dead religious structures and systems, Lord, to awaken the dead, to call Lazarus out of his tomb. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person in here to be visited, to be visited and mounted, Lord, supernaturally on this new horse that you have. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let this grace, 
Let the grace of your calling, let it, be, let it ring like a bell in their hearts, Lord. That they would not be silent, that they would not lay in bed and just wait like the normal American convenience-style Christianity. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. I break the expectation of convenience Christianity, and I decree that the stable doors are open. I decree that you will run like swift steeds on your war horse and that you will do supernatural things that you will testify of to your children. That words of knowledge will flow through you so profoundly that one word of knowledge will cause restaurants to shake, will cause dormitories to shake, will cause churches to be awakened, will cause um, government buildings, school systems to be awakened because of one person that lays down their life, hears the Lord and says, I will speak what you say to me, Lord. Lord, let that grace, Lord, let the conviction, let the power of resurrection come upon every person right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.